Hello and welcome to Let Him Roar Again. I'm Amy Perry and joining me today is Rachel McNamara. Rachel is an actor, director and teaching artist. She trained at Theatre Nepean and has a long list of credits both on stage and screen. She's an associate artist with Hot House Theatre in Wodonga in regional Victoria and is living on Wiradjuri land in regional New South Wales. She's also a teaching artist for the Sydney Theatre Company's school drama program. She's interested in young people accessing high quality arts experience. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you very much. We're going to talk about a couple of things today, and usually we split into two episodes. Uh, So the first episode and the first kind of focus we'll have will be on regional Australia and Shakespeare. And then for part two, uh, we will move on to talking about youth theatre and Shakespeare, both areas that you're really, really um, qualified to talk about. And I know that you're also very passionate about them. We talked about uh, wanting young people to access high quality arts experiences. Um, And I think that the regional and the young people is really going to play into that today. So let's kick off. Could you tell me about a moment when you were really struck by Shakespeare? Well, I think like, you know, like most people, I studied Shakespeare at school. Um, but it wasn't until I saw an actual production of it where we were taken on a school trip to, to see a work um, in Melbourne that I was like, oh, that makes sense, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think seeing a, seeing a full-scale production of, the, of, of Macbeth it was that we saw. But also I remember actually the first time I realised that a lexicon existed, like that was a really a real turning point for me as such a, like a word nerd. I was like, yes! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was it a big trip to Melbourne? Do you remember how long it would have taken? Um, or well, for so from us, from here it's three and a half hours to get to Melbourne. Um, and I think it was part of like a regional drama camp or something like that that I was that we went down to see it. Um, so I think it would have been part of like a workshop series, you know, that go down, see a work, do a workshop and kind of turn around and come home. Yeah. And would that have been one of your first theatre productions to see, to see Shakespeare, or would you have seen other things before that? Um, I think it was about the scale. Like it would have been, I would have, yeah, not seen necessarily a... Um, a Shakespeare, but it was also about seeing a work that was full scale, you know, like full set, full costume, not just sort of like a touring three-person in a classroom type production, Mm -hmm. but like, yeah, the whole shebang and in a big theatre would have been really exciting, yeah. And in the big smoke heading into the city. Well, that's it, you know, it's all about content, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's talk about the state of theatre in regional Australia. You've just mentioned uh, three-person productions that kind of appeared locally. As an artist based in Aubrey, Wodonga, what's the state of theatre in your part of the country? How much theatre is there? How much is created locally? What percentage of that is touring productions from Melbourne or Sydney? Um, yeah, well, we've got quite an interesting and diverse um, art scene here. I mean, sort of, you know, pre and post COVID, it's actually, you know, there was lots of touring works that were halted because of we live on a border. So mm-hmm. um, borders were closed. And of course, you know, no one was touring. But um, yeah, we've got an increasingly developing sort of art scene in Albury. Um, 
there's Hot House Theatre, obviously, and they um, primarily make new Australian works. Um, and then we've got the Flying Fruit Fly Circus, which is like a national youth circus training organisation um, and also projection dance that are a, um, a professional dance production company and training program. So all of those companies are really, yeah, starting to tour again. Um, Hot House has got a whole season of new works that have been developed over the kind of lockdown periods and are now kind of starting to find their feet. So, yeah, there's those professional companies. And then in Albury, Wodonga specifically, we've also got like two large entertainment centres that house like council-run venues that house those kind of touring, large-scale touring productions. Um, some, the Cube in Wodonga does have like a small set for local independent artists as well, like a little hole in their program for mm. independent artists locally to put up a piece of work. Um, and then we've got a really thriving amateur sector that where most of the Shakespeare in, um, in the region is performed um, so there's an annual uh, Shakespeare in the Park that's really well supported by the community and performed by, you know, locals. And then, yeah, musical theatre productions that, yes, do very well in Albury, Wodonga. We love an outdoor Shakespeare. I think that's yeah. it's such an Australian thing. I, d- I don't know why. I've talked a little bit about outdoor Shakespeare before because we think that the weather is so gorgeous in Australia, and it is, but it's not always on our side when we do these outdoor productions is it yeah I mean it's it's quite a beautiful summertime ritual um in the local botanical gardens to have these yeah productions of Shakespeare <laughs> happen each year <laughs> you know but as a lover of Shakespeare sometimes equally uh you know uh challenging you know to well they become a community work like they're a community arts yeah. work more than a um, and exercising kind of amazing Shakespeare adaptation or hmm. um, presentation. Hmm. There's some crossover there between community and theatre. It's not just for beautiful productions or amazing uh, pushing of the boundaries, I guess. It's more about the community being together perhaps. Yeah, I think definitely in those instances, yeah. And, and like I've all, coming home, or like I moved back to Albury, we moved back here a few years ago. Um, and I've always had this question about why the amateur scene is so successful, you know, like, and so well supported. Um, and it does come back to community, you know, like our arts community, yeah, people are really willing to come and see a friend or a neighbour or a colleague perform. Yeah. And that it's more about that than actually the kind of storytelling or the the thematic conversations that might emerge from a more challenging work that you'd see at Hot House or um, or even a touring work that, you know, has done really well in other places, sometimes can land in Albury and not be very well attended um, or be, yeah, yeah, be well attended by kind of a, a very niche market but doesn't have that breadth that um, those Shakespeare in the Park productions do. They tend to sort of have like this intergenerational amazingness about them yeah 
Um, let's talk a little bit about the show you've just finished with Hot House Theatre because it fascinates me. It was kind of a crossover between theatre and tourism, um, which I find very fascinating. Tell me about the work and the creation of that. Yeah, well, we've just finished um, making a work called This Is Your City, which was like an adaptation of a 1980s board game. Um <laughs> So, which Carla Conway, who's the artistic director and CEO of Hot House, came across this board game called This Is Your City, which was a kind of Monopoly-style um, board game that they did in little regional centres in the 80s. Um, and small businesses could buy, um, like, advertising on the board. So there's wow. a This Is Your City Wagga and there's a This Is Your City Griffith. Um, yeah, and so there was a number of them. Anyway, there's this is your city, Albuquerque, and it's this gorgeous, like retro um, Monopoly style board that has all these old businesses and landmarks on it. Yeah, um, and the city's obviously changed massively uh, in that time, and so the work is sort of like a live version of that board game in a way. Uh, that's a car rally. It's like a 1980s, like a car rally scavenger hunt. And players start with a live performance at Hot House um, and they're kind of um, welcomed into this story that's about time travel. And they queue, using QR codes, they kind of travel to sites across Aubrey and Wodonga in their cars and kind of chasing a girl called Delta who zapped herself into time. Um, and it kind of weaves in all these stories um, like cultural stories that exist in Aubrey, like historical stories, you know, and historical you know, um, places. So like the Bone Gila Migrant Centre. Um, we've got a beautiful Indigenous sculpture walk down at Yimdiamara. Um, yeah, and there was like a, an either, a very famous emergency landing, the Iva landing. Um, so it sort of centres around that, yeah. Anyway, so that's the show that we've just finished, ran over two weekends and, yeah, it's cool. And so specifically placed for where you are, like I imagine you couldn't move that show to another centre. It's not a touring production. It's about being a site-specific almost work. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and really it really does unearth um, the stories of the place to a certain degree, you know. Mm. Um, and and hits on like if you had a, if you had um, a friend come to town and you were showing them around, it kind of hits on a lot of those landmarks that you might take them to see. Um, but also we had like local residents who have in playing the game discovered little pockets that they were like, oh, I didn't, didn't realise that was there or I've, I've lived here all this time and I've never actually spent a day at that site and, and I'll go back. So. Hmm. Yeah, so good. that deepening connection with community and place, um, which is so important, and the arts providing an access point to that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's such a yeah, cool idea, was, Rachel. It was cool. Yeah, oh. Carl is very clever. Hmm. Um, what was kind of beautiful about it that we didn't um, sort of, it was always going to be like a, it's a group activity, so there's four roles in the work um, you, that you can play. Um, so it's a team game-based activity and we found that actually kids 
sort of between 10 and 16, um, really got a lot out of it. And it was a really great, um, yeah, family activity for that age group where in Albury there's lots of programming for young kids, like five to eight. Mm. Um, and then there's programming for sort of adult teen um, works, those more challenging works, but that sort of middle band, there's nothing, no works that really speak to them in a challenging way. Mm. Um, so that was quite cool, yeah, to see that demographic of um of young people have a work that they were kind of engaged in and excited about, you know. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I wish I were closer and able to jump in and have a look. Sounds amazing. Come and visit any time. <laughs> um, how important is theatre to your community? This is a really tough question, um, but what kind of role do you think it plays in community for you? Well. For me, it's essential, like it's the lifeblood of everything that I do. But I think, you know, theatre is kind of essential to any community, whether it's like theatre at a football match, like the spectacle of a football match or um, the theatre of gossip in a shopping centre. You know, you start to kind of see theatre everywhere, I think. It's about, you know, um, experiences that prompt conversation and bring people together, I think, you know. And certainly in Aubrey that kind of like the boundaries of what that is, given that we have such like multiple disciplines um, in the arts community, you know, like we've got great visual artists and writers and people responding to the landscape but also responding to each other. Mm. Um, So theatre, yeah, kind of exists in, in a range of ways and increasingly you know, outside that kind of conventional prosarch setting, you know. Yeah, it's almost more reserved for the touring productions, those larger productions, that prosarch feel. Yeah, well, I think, like, we're seeing lots of immersive, well, I'm really interested in immersive stuff, but, like, lots of site-specific things. And I think those, like, post-COVID, those little pockets of unexpected joy are really important. Mm. Like, we found that theatre, like, that sense of, um, creating a sense of wonder or creating a sense of like magic that for me comes really naturally making work for young people and you know um, being kind of drawn to that sort of that type of literature or that type of play mm. um, that that became really important like in amongst the community like a, having that sense of play um, to keep yourself buoyant through lockdowns and through um border you know like we had a closed border here so um which was kind of which was massive you know as some as someone who had like two cities that were we didn't really think of ourselves as having a border but you couldn't cross you know without a permission yeah so I think like having a sense of theatricality and playfulness about it was really essential to maintaining a sense of well-being and joy yeah maintaining yeah 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 you know, and now I think lots of works have been made in response to that because people have got something to say, you know, like mm. so whatever, yeah, art form it kind of comes out as. It's really important because it's expression, you know, self-expression. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of joy in what's coming out. I kind of expected there to be more pain 
in what we were seeing at the other end. But I think there has now been a sense of joy just at being back together more often. I don't think we're out of the woods yet, but that sense of um, being together is stronger than exploring the pain, I guess, or the distance that we had. Yeah. Yeah. We just granted as much, do you? You know, that sense of, um, yeah, coming together in a physical, being actually physically in the same space as each other and, and the power of that, like, you know, the power of witnessing something together, you know, yeah. It takes some adjustment too. I know just being in the same space as other people is just felt so strange initially, um, but to be in the same space and experiencing theatre is so worth it. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Mm. You mentioned in there too responding to landscape as part of your theatrical experience and um, and creation. Hothouse Theatre has the tagline of our stories, our way. What do you think that means in terms of the types of plays that get produced and also the directorial choices of these productions in terms of being distinctly Australian? Uh, well, Carla has created a work of a season of all new Australian works this this season. So they're all debuts, um, and they all tell stories. Some of the stories are um, locally, like "This Is Your City" is a local story, and there's another work that's um, using the, our Black Border Ensemble that's a local production but um she's also gone co uh, you know co-produced um chase with malthouse theater which is a new australian work and so i think um yeah that is like a, a season choice from carla mm. you know to make those stories yeah all new new stories new voices um and that's kind of hothouse's mission is to is to make um produce and present present new Australian work specifically. And do you think there's something that combines them, some kind of stamp that says this is Australian work? If we took it out of context, how would we know? How would we know that it's Australian, you mean? Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, I guess um, this is your city response directly to the the place, but, um, yes, I don't know. I mean, I think... What is what I'm excited about this season is the kind of diversity of voices that exist inside this season. Mm. That there's, yeah, a range of works from um, makers from a range of backgrounds, but also from varying degrees of um, experience and some, you know, um, works that are premieres of new forms and some works that are premieres um, of works that have been around for a long time but just haven't, you know, for whatever reason, the production has been thwarted a billion times and now it's finally, you know, that story is coming to the stage. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think it's exciting. When I think about the new wave theatre in particular and that desire to create an Australian voice, and then I look at the works that are being created now as as new Australian works. They're quite different and yet similar. So I, I think we do have that greater diversity of voices and a greater range of experiences um, within what it is to be Australian. 
And so it fascinates me what we call Australian work. Is it just Australian work because it's created here by people living and working in Australia? Or is there something that binds it together? What, how will they categorise Australian work in 2020 in 50 years' time? I don't know. Well, look, I mean, you could speak to every artistic director of Hot House Theatre because they have thought about this question at length, I would say, because the company has always been um, funded to make Australian work, you know, mm-hmm. and so actually inevitably the, the boundaries of that become, um, you know, places where you have to say, oh, well, we can't do that work because it's not Australian, you know, Um like an example is uh, we did an independent production of Rabbit Hole, David Lindsay Bear's Rabbit Hole in 2019. Mm-hmm. And the only reason it could be performed as hot, at Hot House um, under their f- sort of funding model is, is it was in sort of like the independent seasons, you know, mm-hmm. um, that it wasn't, it couldn't be on the main stage because Hot House can't program um, a David Lindsay Bear um, because he's an American playwright. So, but, but um, it was kind of refreshing to see a work like that in the Butter Factory, which is the hothouse stage, because it's so rarely filled with a Pulitzer Prize winning kind of yeah. script, you know? Yeah. Um, and also like that, you know, coming back to the kind of touring thing that we often, um, yeah, there, there are works that are built to tour regionally, Australian works that are built to tour regionally and they're really um, beautifully written and they come with like this great minimalist kind of set. But with Rabbit Hole, we I did a full um, like naturalistic kitchen set with floorboards and staircases and, and, um, and that's so rare for our audiences to see because they're so used to just seeing sort of like the four chairs in a black space version that's, you know, you have to make when you're touring. But, yeah, to have like a big proper set with couches and, you know, a fridge and stuff was really kind of quite a point of departure. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine that same policy would extend to Shakespeare, not not being an Australian writer. However, if you're a young Australian working to direct or adapt, where's the line there? Can it be an Australian production of a of a British well, yeah, playwright? I would love Because the Night to have toured, you mm. know, but like uh, and we tried so hard to get, like I've run a um, program for young people to learn about theatre and we tried to take them down to see Because the Night at uh, Malthouse because, yeah, those works of that scale just they're impossible to tour of course mm. you know but we I mean we do get uh, bell tours to Albury quite often it sort of sits in that they do like a Wagga um, Wangaratta Albury kind of circuit and I feel like Sport for Jove uh, you know have tried to come or but yes I would like them to come <laughs> more often <laughs> <laughs> yes. How often would you say you get a touring Shakespeare? Well, we used to sort of have like a, if Belle was touring, Aubrey Entertainment Centre would program it. So that would be like, yeah, a main stage, the largest main stage Shakespeare that we would see. We wouldn't, and, and we might see, depending on who gets sort of regional funding, you might see a smaller 
um, adaptation of a of a work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you you inevitably there would be some high school that would do like a black box version of the play that they're studying and the community would kind of support that and then, yeah, that's what we would see really. And then, you know, generally Melbourne's not too far away, so generally students um, travel mm-hmm. to access those sort of more large-scale works and um, do a workshop with the company and engage in that sort of like professional development stuff. Yeah, so probably locally you're talking about three or four times a year? Yeah, yeah, including the Shakespeare in the Gardens, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And would Shakespeare in the Gardens or high school productions be your only locally produced productions of Shakespeare? Yeah, Mm. yeah, I would say. I mean, many years ago um, there was a collaboration with the Fruitfly Circus and Hot House Theatre did like an adaptation of Midsummer Night's Dream in the awesome. amphitheater at the back of Hot House, um, and they it was so successful that they did it twice. Um, so that's often you know in kind of community folklore is talked about. I I remember it very fondly. You know, it was just such a magical collaboration between two arts organisations, and you know, circus and Midsummers and and it was a co-pro production, so they brought in, you know, the the there was professional actors that played the leads, and then they had community artists that played um, the mechanicals, the mechanicals, and then yeah, all the fairies were circus kids, and Titania was yeah, there was circus weaved through it up in the trees, and yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, um, the RSC did a production about five years ago of Midsummer where the mechanicals were local amateur theatre companies and so they toured the professionals um, mostly they recorded they rehearsed online but then had one or two workshops and toured the professionals but with the local mechanicals Um, so similar kind of idea you use people who are there and part of your community it's really important yes oh that's such an interesting model Yeah. yeah Yeah, and interesting that that's where we place local voices is as the mechanicals. I I think that's really interesting too um, when you think about the hierarchy in that play, that your local voices would exist only within the mechanicals is fascinating to me. Um, Yeah, I'd love to see them play Oberon and Titania and and the fairies and see how that would change things up a little bit. Harder for rehearsal, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, my next question is based on an assumption, and my assumption might be wrong. So please do feel free to correct me if it's if it is wrong. But a regional theatre company is staging productions for a local audience that is diverse. We talked a little bit about the diversity of of voices um, with Hot House, but in a different way to the diverse audiences that are on a capital city main stage and what they're trying to address. Um, So I think about the diversity within a city, including tourists and potentially international audiences if that um, big city company is thinking about touring. With that in mind and in your experience of productions of Shakespeare in your hometown, how strongly are those productions rooted in your community's Australian experience? Well, I think that, um, yes, currently 
um, other than, yeah, the, uh, the midsummers that we were talking about, which I think was like hugely rooted in the community experience. Like was it, it was adapted to be like a caravan park, you know, outside. Mm. I think that Shakespeare, um, you know, operates as this kind of conduit for community connection and participation in the setting here. I think um, that, yeah, there's still lots of works being made here. They're not necessarily um, that, you know, that go on to tour um, nationally or internationally, but they're probably uh, not, yeah, adaptations of Shakespeare. They're much more verbatim-based works, you know, based on bushfires or other kind of more regional, specifically regional issues. Um, so I think, but, but I think, you know, it's always challenging to, to find a way to cater for the diversity of the community and find um, opportunities for everyone in that community to have a piece of theatre or an arts experience that speaks to them in a, like, a deep, meaningful way. Hmm. Um, and that you've just got to keep on, you know, for some people that'll be a particular version of Shakespeare and for some people that'll be something else, you know, so having a range of um, arts experiences that, you know, provide opportunities for people to find that little spark, I think. Yeah, you know, for some people can be Shakespeare. but mm. um, And I, I'm kind of excited about the prospect, particularly for, um, you know, school students who encounter Shakespeare in a school setting um, and have some kind of, you know, have an experience that, that might not necessarily be engaging, like that they have like an, an experience um, that kind of puts a bit of distance between their ability to unpack the heightened language of Shakespeare or access that kind of universal themes of Shakespeare. I, I think um, the more that, that you, you can have access to productions that find a way in does open you up to being open to more arts experiences that are more diverse you know Hmm. I sometimes wonder and maybe this is where I'm kind of going with this question whether our big city uh, companies and touring companies feel a weight to water down what is Australian in our productions in order to appeal to a broader audiences, a broader audience, or um, or conversely to do the opposite, to really amplify the Aussie accent, um, that bushfires context, in order to provide that really Australian experience. It, it's a funny line where you're creating a work for Australian audiences that will also extend beyond, I guess. Yeah, I see, I see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I guess um, I'm excited to kind of see because we haven't seen work from, like, those major companies. I'm only just now starting to be able to kind of access those works again in a live context, you know, like it feels like a long time since we've seen, we've even had been able to, like, seek out those experiences and be like, oh, and that's what the conversation is, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's- so almost no conversation for a time there no yeah exactly you know like I think it's exciting to sort of yeah just to have those to go back and and reconnect with what is happening in other um contexts yeah 
which is part of like you know that that experience of theatre is like you experience it in your own little pocket and then go out and see the conversations or experience the conversations that are happening in foyers and theatres in other places. How exciting. That's my favourite thing, <laughs> the foyer conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it at interval. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, tell me, Rachel, as we wrap up this episode on regional theatre, regional Australia, why do you live in regional Australia? What do you love about it? What is it that feeds your soul from the country, I guess? Well, uh, we moved here because we've got double grandparents here. So it was really a family-based choice. Mm. Um, And from that, I guess, you know, what flows from that is community. It's all about community and I think what's really exciting for me about living here at the moment is that opportunity to be able to really um, reframe perceptions that I had about being able to uh, live regionally and work professionally and that that's not necessarily something that's unachievable Mm. and that, you know, we can really be, yeah, living here and making work that is, you know, internationally um, able to tour or be in contact. I think, you know, COVID kind of gave us that gift that um, we were able to, I was able to access companies online um, in the UK and the US that um, I wasn't able to access previously in a, in a different way. So, yes, but also kind of witnessing or, you know, rediscovering the actual kind of natural landscape with fresh eyes is a wonderful thing. You know, it's a really beautiful place um Mm. part of the world you know I feel pretty privileged to kind of live and work here on Wiradjuri country and continue to kind of explore it and learn more about it thanks Rachel we'll catch up for episode two youth theatre and Shakespeare very soon but thanks again for today my pleasure thank you You've been listening to Let Him Roar Again, a podcast recorded by Amy Perry amid the tall blue gums of Darug country. Performance of Bottom's Lines from A Midsummer Night's Dream by the phenomenal Simon Ward. Let me play the lion too. I will...